0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. So now let's go to the Word of God. The focus of our message today is Consecrate me As I consecrate myself Consecrate me As I consecrate myself Where I wanna focus is on our part in consecration because there's some things that God wants us to do in order to position us, reposition us, if you will, to get ready for the upwind. So I wanna start this with a question for those of you who are uh, taking notes. Here's the question, have you heard the saying, come as you are. You've heard that. So here's the, the follow up. Where does that come from and who does it apply to? Come as you are. Where does that come from and who does it apply to? I know it sounds like a loaded question. It is because it's one of the things that is like almost a part of church doctrine. Come as you are. It's a philosophy that we use, but you will not find it in the Bible because it's not in there. Search the whole Bible. from gen- It is not in there. Some of us have heard it our whole life, and there are many other things that are like that. But where, what is the origin of it? Well, I think it's because it's implied in Scripture. When, when you look at Jesus, he didn't look down on people. There were people who were outcast and people who were on the margins, and he ministered to them. The prophets of old said, come now, Isaiah, let us reason together. Says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be like crimson, crimson, they shall be as wool. So if you listen to that verse, who is he talking to? Every one of those verses that implies come as you are, are addressed to people who are in sin. Everyone, I could list every one of them, and you would say, Yep, it's pretty clear. That's for the persons who are outside of the ark of safety. That is not God's people. But for God's people, what does He require? When God delivered Israel from Egypt, and He gave Moses the design for the holy things. Holy things, somebody say holy things. Everything was consecrated. Minister Sample, he had Moses consecrate the temple. He had him consecrate the vestiges for the priest. He had him consecrate Aaron and his sons. He had him consecrate the the oil. And there is a revelation in the oil. Two things that we need to hear. When God gave Moses instructions to consecrate the oil, he put the bitter and the sweet together. In life, as consecrated people, we gotta take the bitter and the sweet and remain the same. God told Ezekiel, I want you to eat the whole loaf. Take the scroll, the whole scroll, I want you to eat it. It's gonna be sweet. Bitter in your mouth, but sweet in your belly. We never get to the sweet part if we don't digest the word. You got to take it in. And when you take it in, a part of consecration is that it causes us. We're going to talk about the difference between sanctification and consecration. But the other thing about the oil that I want you to realize is that God said to Moses when he put all the stuff together to make the holy oil the consecrated oil he said this oil shall not go on man's flesh this oil shall not go on flesh what is the purpose of the consecrated oil because in all of Christendom where we believe on the laying on of hands we put oil and we put it on people's flesh, and we consecrate, we we pray for them. The oil in the laying on of hands goes on flesh. Is that wrong? No. What God is saying in the spirit, in the things that he consecrates, there's a different type of oil. There's some oil that God wants to pour out in us that doesn't go on flesh. It's the oil that the, the, the five virgins knew about but the other five didn't. They went to the same church. They might've sat on the same pews, sis, but five of them were wise and five were foolish. And when the bridegroom came, what was required of them was to have some oil. I don't know about you, but I want to have that oil in my vessel that doesn't go on flesh that consecrated thing that only comes from God, what David was talking about when he said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. With fresh oil. What keeps the oil fresh? You don't get oil one time and let it stay. When I grew up, my mother used to fry chicken with Crisco oil. You gotta change that grease. (laughs) or it does something to the taste of the chicken and you can't mix it with everything I went to a restaurant once and I paid good money and they brought my meal it was a soul food restaurant and I had a taste for this and it was so good and when they brought the chicken they had cooked it in fish grease yeah that's what I thought what you think I thought it was awful I never went back there again the oil that God puts in us and is not to be mixed with anything because it can't be consecrated if any element other than what God puts in it. That's why it's not to be put on people's flesh. I'm already preaching. Do you get that? Do you understand that consecrated things are holy things? It's set apart. So what is the difference between, before we get to the text, between sanctification and consecration. I don't, we don't teach on that enough. We just say it and it becomes church speak and people don't really understand it, especially people who are new to the kingdom. Sanctification, the beginning of sanctification was in Abraham. When God, the whole world was Gentile. Everybody was. And God said to Abraham, get out of your father's house. Separate yourself from the things that you know because your father is a pagan and you're now talking to a holy God. I have something different for you and those in your Lord. So the first thing was separate you. And then he created a nation that is different from all other nations. See, that's a sign. Israel is a sign for the believer different from all other nations. Every other nation on the face of the earth is Gentile. There's one nation that God separated for himself. And those people weren't to be the sole possessors of God. It was a sign for all of us who were to come to know what sanctification is. It's God separating us from the world. When Abraham obeyed, a nation came out of him that was different. And just because you're sanctified, you're separated, doesn't mean you won't have hardship. Because they went into bondage. But God delivered them because they're his. He'll never leave you alone. He delivered them. And because they had been, Egypt represents the world, because they had been in the world so long, Now God had to consecrate them. See, consecration is more than separation. Separation is the first part. It's like salvation and conversion. Maybe someday we'll talk about that. But sanctification is the first step. Consecration is the step that makes us holy and acceptable to a holy God. Consecration is about holiness, being holy. Be ye holy for I am holy. See, we complicate holiness and people think it's unattainable because you got to do this, you got to do that, don't do that. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. He sent Jesus to do what he did because there was no flesh that could do it. If, if we could be holy by ourselves, if we could attain salvation by ourselves, Jesus died in vain. Because if one person could do it, anybody could do it. He alone can do it. So it doesn't make us better. It doesn't make us higher. It just makes us holy. We're connected to God. That's why we're different. We're different. We're set apart and we're consecrated. That's why it breaks God's heart when there's no discernible difference between his children and the world. He made it clear, Ken, when he took Abraham out. That's the reason he said, leave here, because I'm going to separate you. You can't stay here. You have to go to another place. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew he had to leave. It's like, you don't have to go home, but you got to leave here. You have to get out. Do you see the difference between sanctification, separation, and consecration, that which is made holy? Can you see the difference? Say amen if you see it. Because we'll move on. Because we'll keep, I want it it to be so clear that everybody knows it. I want it to be so clear that you could sit at your kitchen table and talk to people about it and demystify it. It's not complicated. So now let's go into the text consecrate me as I consecrate myself. We're going to go to Exodus 19, 10, and 14. And while it's going up on the screen, so you know the question I asked up front, that loaded question? By now you know the answer. Come as you are has nothing to do with you and me as believers. It has to do with the person who doesn't know God. But we come Consecrated. And we're going to look at how what God requires and what He does. Consecrate me as I consecrate myself. Exodus 19, verses 10 through 14. And it reads I'm reading from New King James. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. So how many days were they going to be consecrated to? To prepare to meet God and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for The third day, there's something about the third day. Yeah, yeah, I ain't gonna blow it up because I want to get this message through. There will be a time to blow it up. For on the third day, come on, somebody say on the third day. Y'all gonna make me blow it up. On the third day, the Lord will come down. On the third day, his son was in a tomb and that's a sign that on the third day he'll come down for those who are consecrated it won't take long you consecrate on the third day the Lord will come down won't he do it it's proven the empty grave an empty tomb proves that on the third day he will come down I'm not going to blow it up upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. God wants to consecrate us because he wants us to see him clearly. I'm gonna come down in the sight of all the people. Now this is a God who said, no flesh shall see me and live. So you can't be in the flesh, come on, somebody see this already. You can't be in the flesh and come before God When his word says, no flesh shall see me and live, he said, Moses, consecrate the people because they got to be ready. I'm coming down on the third day. If you want to be with God and you want God to be in our presence, you got to consecrate yourself because you don't want to be in a position where you go to God when his word says no flesh shall see God and live. If you want to see him, you got to be consecrated. That's if you want to see him and live. See, that's a spiritual thing. Are you getting that? Can you see that? Yet, this is important. This is important, I want you to see this. Yet you shall set bounds for the people all around saying, For those of you who've taken notes, put one dot, number one, boundaries. Boundaries. And I'll come back and talk about boundaries. What do boundaries have to do with consecration? You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Don't leave any cracks, any doors for them to get out of the boundaries. I don't want them to escape. I want them to be my captive, captive to me. Consecrate them. Set it all around saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not come up to the mountain or touch its base. Second thing, number two, right? Obedience. Boundaries, obedience. He's given instruction. When you come, don't touch that mountain. Does that sound familiar, Boundaries, Adam and Eve? Look at the whole garden. You could have anything. And I want you to know everything was good to look at, pleasant to the eyes, and good to eat. But he said, the one tree you can't touch. What is that called? Boundaries. When they crossed the boundary, it not only impacted them, all of us die in the natural because they crossed a boundary. I want you to know that in consecration, God puts boundaries for a reason. It's not just for us, it's for, for those who come from your womb, sisters. It's for those who come from your loins, brothers. It's for all of us. For, it's, this is for his people. So for the people who don't know him, come as you are. For the people that are his, come right. I want you to write that down. I I didn't even think about that, but I like that. Write it down so I can remember it later. For the people who don't know God, come as you are. For the people who belong to God, come right. You know how we've gotten it twisted? For the people who don't know God, we try to get them to come right. That means we're not seeing clearly. How can they come right and they don't know God? The reason they don't have boundaries is because they don't know what God says. But we're putting burdens on them that they can't bear, that neither you or they can bear. The evidence that we can't bear it is that God sent Jesus in the world to save the whole world. God wants to change how we interact with folk. Keep that in your notes. Put it in your phone. Put it in, put it on social media. Somebody hit the like button. So this thing can go viral. I like it when I don't think something and it's said, that's how I know it's God. It's not premeditated, it's not in my notes, I haven't thought about it. That's how God wants us all to be. Vessels. That's how I know the oil is not empty. I'm talking about the oil that can't be put on flesh. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, how's your oil? (laughs) Have you had an oil change lately? Somebody needs an oil change. Dirty oil messes up the engine. (laughs) Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Sound familiar? On the day that you eat this fruit, You shall surely die. The thing that we can be certain, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is immutable. It doesn't change. He said, not a hand shall touch him. Because I don't want blood on your hands. But he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. In the garden, when death was pronounced, I don't know how Adam, how old Adam was when he did it, but I know he lived to be 930 years. It wasn't instant. God was accelerating it here to get people's attention. He's like, I, I need you to obey me because I know what's best for you. And you go, if you cross this boundary, if you cross this boundary, judgment is gonna be swift. Because I, and then I'll deal with you in eternity. But my message is to those that are still here that they know that my word is not to be played with. You need to come right. You are my people. You are my people. Moses, the servant of God, when he was so frustrated with the people that he said, God, if I have favor in your sight, kill me. That's how hard it is to be a shepherd. He said Lord if I have favor kill me but then in the same breath when God was angry and about he said Lord don't do that don't do that to them because then your enemies how will they know that your people are different from all other nations he was reminding God these are your people they're set apart if your people who are set apart remain the only thing that's left is the world, and the world will go into chaos. That's why the church, the body of Christ, is so important, and our voice is so important. And that's why we have to come right, because when we come right, we represent God. When we come right, God represents us. And that's why Moses prayed that. He said, Do not do that. He would rather his own life be taken than the people of God because he knew how important the people of God would be in human history. And he said, God, unless your spirit goes before us, we don't want to go. I wish that God would put in somebody's spirit to be so joined to God that said, God, if you don't go before me, I'm not going. Where you lead me, I will follow, but if you don't go, I'm not going. That serves as an invisible boundary. I'm only going where God sends me, nowhere else, because I know I have your protection. I got the pillar of cloud by day, and I got the fire by night. Come on Dick, somebody needs fire. We need some fresh fire. The fire will be behind behind you if you go where God tells you to go. I promise I'm not going to blow it up. Every time I get to the edge, I'm going to walk back. I need somebody to help me. When you see me going to the edge, you say, walk it back. Walk it back. Because if I tip over, it says, when The trumpet, no, here's, I don't want to miss this. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned, surely be stoned, or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast. Even the beast obey God. He shall not live. Why is God, it's like dumb animals? No, because he's saying you have dominion. You're responsible for everything and everything is going to be in order because it's on your watch. He said, when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. Number three, put in your notes, wait for the sound. There's a sound in the kingdom, and that sound is what beckons us. He said, don't move. You have boundaries? you have things that you shall not do that are within the boundaries, and you don't move until you hear the sound. Remember when they marched around Jericho? They just marched for seven days. The walls were still there. But when the trumpet sounded, the walls came down. They didn't have to take hammers or bricks, it came down. Remember when Gideon only had 300 people? and he was going after the Amalekites, the people who had them in bondage, who were stronger and mightier and greater in number, he said, don't move. When you hear the sound of the trumpet and you hear the sword of the Lord and the sword of God, then you move. They didn't have to lay a sword on anybody. See, there's something about the timing of God There's something about the timing of God. When you move, when God says move, there's no way you can fail. You cannot fail because it's not up to you. It's not up to me. It's up to him. Wait for the sound. Somebody say, wait for the sound. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people. And what did he do? The first step? sanctify them. What did God tell them to do? Consecrate them. He said, consecrate the people today and tomorrow. Am I right? Am I in the book? But the first step was what? To sanctify them. Separate them. Let me finish this before we talk about the significance of that. Sanctify the people and they shall wash their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. There goes that third day. And listen at this part. Do not come near your wives. I'm going to do my best to try to wrap this up. There's so much that I could say, but I want, to get, I want to hone in. Why is sanctification the first step? And I pray every one of us in the room have already been separated. We're separated from the world. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. But before he could get to the consecration, he separated them. The process was, don't go back to your tents and do what you normally do. Get out of your routine. And I'll talk about why that's important. And, how, and I'll give you a practical illustration of it. Get out of your routine. And brothers, don't go near your wives. It's not unlawful for them to do that. But it's written in the law of Leviticus that there's a certain time when the people go before God If you do that, and you come before me before the sun sets, which represents a new day, you're considered unclean. So what he's saying is, I don't want you to indulge. Don't pleasure yourself. There's not a time for that. Because on the third day, something's going to happen. You consecrate yourself. And so why would he say, wash your clothes? That's just a ritual. Why is that important? Let me try to explain it in a practical way it has it doesn't have anything to do with the clothes. It has to do with your mind and your heart and having your focus on him. so have you can you remember a time where you had a big day that's coming? Maybe it's a job interview, maybe if you're a student, if it's an internship, maybe it's uh, an admissions interview to go into your dream school, and you know what it's like the night before? Like when I was younger, my mother would have me put out my clothes, everything would be pressed and ironed, and my thoughts were, and I would prepare, I would get myself ready, and I would go right, because I had an objective. My mind was focused, my thoughts were single, what God was saying to the people. I need you to cleanse yourselves. I need you to know that you're coming before me. You need to make yourself ready. For these two days, I want your mind to be on me. I want the reason they're separated because they were surrounded by pagans and they were into all kind of illicit sexual activity and they worshiped idols. He's saying, it's not a time for that. He's like, the fact that you're my people, you should never do that. But now you're coming into my presence? Don't, no, no, no. That's not acceptable. Prepare the people, Moses. Make sure that they're ready. Separate them from their normal routine so they can focus on me. Have them wash their clothes. You know what the washing of their clothes is like? Because we can relate to Scripture in the New Testament. It's like 1 John 1 and 19. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all. It is the people because they're thinking about going before God. There was a state dinner last week where uh, Emmanuel Macron went there. So imagine if I woke up the morning of the state dinner, I got on a train and I went to D.C. I said, I just want to be there. I, it's two presents. I want to be in their presence. And I walk, I have on my hoodie. It says, city of brotherly look, It's new. It's clean. I have on some good stuff. I'm looking fly. Come on, say, pastor, you look fly. <laughs> I'm looking fly. And I walk in there. What do you think is going to happen? And why would they kick me out? it would be obvious that I don't belong there. I don't look the part. I'm not prepared. You're not one of the invited guests. God prepared, he consecrates us so it's clear to us, because it's clear to him, that you are one of mine. You are one of mine. And when you come in my presence, anybody who went to that state dinner went there with reverence. They went there with decorum. They didn't go there acting crazy. They didn't go there out of order. Whatever the dress code was, they followed it. Even if they're comfortable, they would rather wear a hoodie and some Jordans. On that day, if you want to be in that room, in that place, you don't do that. That's an earthly thing. What? How much more when we go into the presence of a holy God? How much more. Here's what it's also like. This one, to me, really sums up. Paul does a great job of summing up what it means for me and you to consecrate ourselves. Write this down. It's in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. Not going to be on the screen. You write it down so you can read it later. I'm going to read it And I know people have different versions, but I'm going to read from the King James Version. It says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. how y'all get that up that quick? That's good. I love that team back there. I I didn't give it to them in advance. I didn't even expect them to put it up, but they did it. My God, thank you. Thank you. So this is what the washing of the clothes, if you want to understand what was the washing of clothes, it wasn't just a ritual. It was saying this to God. And if there's one thing we can, we can think of and one reference when it comes to consecration. We're not just taking communion as a sacrament. We're before God. That's why we, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11 to pray a certain way. And he said, Many of you are what? Yep, some have infirmity or affliction, and some, many, he said, are asleep because they touch the mountain. They didn't follow the boundaries. See, there are some people who have taught us the God of the Old Testament is different. He was mean and he's angry. The God of the New Testament, he's just a loving God. You can do whatever you want. That's where cheap grace comes from. He's the same God. He's still holy. He's still holy. And I will not come to him any kind of way because he deserves better. And I want to be better, and I want to be close to him. Some of you will remember before COVID hit, it was so long ago, you may not, but one Sunday I stood up and I said, stop talking. And every week, I said, every week, I'm gonna come out here and pray. There's gonna be no chatter when we come in, because I noticed that we were becoming loose, and I knew his presence is not gonna come because we don't reverence him. Everything that's out there, we're bringing it here. I heard laughter, I heard people talking. Nobody's getting their spirit ready for worship. And I'm like, and you expect the worship to be rich. You blame the worshipers if you're not blessed, not knowing that you contribute to that because you didn't make yourself ready for the third day. Like every time I come in here, And you come in here, it's like the third day. If you want God to do what he does on the third day, you got to consecrate yourself for two days and get ready. Nobody does that. There's no one. So I've got to be your Moses today. God said to Moses, the shepherd of the people, sanctify the people. Tell them to separate from all this stuff. So when they come before me, they'll see me. You want to see God? Consecrate yourself. God has already done what He needs to do to consecrate. Now, we have to do ourselves. And it's, this is not a rule-based thing. It's just about, I reverence God so much, and because I know Him, and I know He's holy, I want to come before Him in a way that is acceptable. If the people who go to the state dinner can do that for Joe Biden, How much more can we do that for the King of Kings? And there's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. I promise you this, the day will come where Joe Biden will die and he won't get up. The one that we prepare to come before on the third day, he got up. He deserves honor, he deserves reverence, he deserves praise, and the fear of the Lord will drive us, keep us within the boundaries. And that's why I I stood up and said, stop talking. And a couple Sundays I had to say while I was praying, stop. No, no, I mean it. Don't do that. We have to learn when we come into this place, come as you are is for the world. But because I belong to him, he says, consecrate yourself. Am I making this up or is that in the book? Do you see what I see? Do you understand what God requires of his people? And next week, my message is going to be, where are all the miracles? God has given an answer to that, that he wants us to know. We're getting ready to break out. See, God will break out. Do you know deliverance is a two-way street? Next week, I'm going to talk about that. And God can break out for you, or against you. And I'm talking about his people. Let me read one last verse, and we're going to wrap it up. One last verse. Like this one is not, you know what it's like when you feel like something is not exhausted. You want to do it. But what I've learned, Pastor O and Janine, that his word is inexhaustible. So there's a time, just let it go and say, see, lie. But I, I really don't, I don't want to let it go. I love his word. I'm passionate about his word. I can't, his word is not like a novel. It's not just, I can read a book and I can talk to you about it in a regular language. But when I'm talking about his, his word, I become crazed I, because I'm, I love him. I love his word. His, I understand what Job, Meant when he said, I, he covets his word more than his necessary. I esteem his word more than my necessary food. Just like I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner today, every day, I eat his word. We all should want him that much. We all should. Here's the last verse, and we're going to bring it, we're going to bring it home. Numbers 11, 33, and 34. This is the culmination of those people who went outside the boundaries. This is not to say that this is translated today the same, but because he's the same God, he's serious about his people being holy because he's holy. He's, ho- he's a holy God. And what happened to them, Paul makes it clear, The things that are written in the Old Testament for us are written for our learning and for our admonition. Am I in the book? So this is just for us to learn and be admonished. Numbers 11, 33, and 34. Here's what it reads. Now these are the people who have been delivered from Egypt, but they were complaining. Their prayers were complaints. God said, I heard you crying out to me for leaks and onion and fish that was back in the place of bondage that I delivered you from. In other words, you're looking back at the pleasures of the world and you're craving that when you have me. You have me and you're craving that. That's why he wanted to refocus them because their focus was still back there. Is there anybody who needs to refocus? God is going to refocus some people. So, and here's the result of their, they didn't want the manna, even though you provided everything. God, I don't like that stuff. What is that? It's like, what is this, a croissant? I don't know. It's not like the bakery I go to. I don't want this. I want meat. I had seasoning in Egypt, and they're neglecting God. Do you know how much it breaks God's heart when I neglect him, when you neglect him, that's why we never want to do that. He deserves better. He deserves better. Here's what the text reads. They got what they wanted. Be careful what you pray for. You might get it. That's why I'm so grateful to God that he changed my prayer. He changed my heart. May he change our hearts while we're praying so that we will pray aright. Listen to this. They finally get their meat. They got quailed. Everywhere, While the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, just put it in your mouth. Before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. God is saying, you really going to eat this meat? After I provided for you, I thought that once you saw, okay, I gave it to you, that you would, if your heart was for me, you know what you would do? Keep the verse up just for one minute. Can I have just a few more minutes? Am I, I'm not intruding, am I? A little more. I don't, I, okay, here's the thing. Because it, it shouldn't take all day, but sometimes I just, I just feel like I don't want to leave you without this. Do you remember when David, please leave the text up. Remember David was on the battlefield and he just said in the presence of some of his mighty men of valor. He said, I'm thirsty. I need a drink of water. And they went across enemy lines, elder, and they got him water. See, this is a man after God's own heart. I'm trying to show you something. And he said, here's what he said. He took that water. He said, these men have hazarded their lives. He said, I will not drink that he poured it out as a drink offering to God when we ought to be having a drink offering when they should have been giving God I'm grateful to you even though my attitude was wrong in the way I prayed even though my prayer was not according to your will you did it anyway because you love me that was a time for a drink offering and God said you really doing this right now You gonna put this meat in your mouth? That tells me your heart is far from me. David, who is a man, but a man after God's own heart, recognized the risk that people put themselves at. That's why even in small things, I wasn't expecting this text to go up because I didn't give it to them, it's a burden. I thank them publicly because I appreciate what they did. If you can't do that in small things, you will neglect God, because what seems to be a small thing is a big thing. And here's what I want you to see. Their prayer was answered, but their prayer was outside of the will of God. They didn't touch, some of them touched the boundaries, but not all of them, and we'll get to that in the text. What what God is trying to do is prepare our hearts for the upwind. He's trying to prepare our hearts for the upwind. And so the reason God did what he did is because they didn't, in the moment, appreciate him. And they actually went through with that ungodly thing. They gave into their cravings more than honoring God because they craved the stuff they had in the world. And when the cravings of the world take hold of us, We separate ourselves from a holy God. And God didn't want that to happen. He's like, no, I can't let you do that. I'm going to bring you home to me now. You broke my heart enough because when you really come here, you're going to see. And it's like, what are you talking about? They did wrong. They died. In 1 Corinthians, maybe 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about a person who did something that was unspeakable. And Paul said, I want you to know, in my spirit, I've already delivered such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that their spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. What we learn from that text is sometimes God will take take me, I don't want to say you, take me out of here because he loves me so much to stop the destruction because God is not bound by time. He's in turn. He's the giver of life. He's like, you broke my heart enough. Enough of this. You're not going to learn. If you're doing this, you're not going to learn. Come on. The only way you're going to get it is to come here. I got to take you out because you can't resist the devil. The one who is the hater of your soul, you're preferring over the lover of your soul. That's how offended God is. By things like that. So while it was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. So he called the name of that place Kibroth Hadavar, because there they buried the people who had yielding yielded to craving. Instead of yielding their members to God, they yielded to their cravings. And God said, I love you too much to keep this cycle going. I'm gonna put an end to this. The other thing was, he's sending a message to everyone who would become his children afterward. Because Israel is just a type, right, of God's sanctified people who are set apart so this word is just as much for us as for them. It's an offense to God. It's an offense to the Holy Ghost. When his children give in to cravings and neglect him, he's like, don't you know that I have something better for you? Am I, have I not been good to you? Am I not good enough? Imagine if he was talking to the children in the wilderness. He said, you know, you've been out here 40 years and you haven't had to buy a new pair of shoes. You're in the scorching sun, and nobody has died from heat stroke. You have, there are no grocery stores, and you've eaten every day. Yet you complain about what I give you to eat. Somebody say, Lord, I won't complain. I'm blessed. God is just trying to root some stuff out of us so he can take us up. I hope you receive this in the spirit that is intended that a loving God who is holy wants us as his children to be holy because then all the people of the earth will know that we belong to him. And that is the greatest witness we have. It's not in the words that come out of our mouth because when the words that come out of my my mouth are consistent with my deeds, I behave like an enemy of God. Because people who want God will see that that's not God. So what should we do? We're going to consecrate ourselves. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And when you're consecrated, it's for a purpose. God wants to do something. So there's two things I want to say while we close. First, there is something that has been on the heart of God, that he placed on my heart, that someone who I love and trust communicated, and it was another sign. It's like, I know this is God. That this is not, this is not flesh. This is not just someone's idea. And it is this. While we're going through the season of outward consecration, play some song. The oil that can't be poured into, that should not be put on flesh, God is going to be pouring out. And we're going to prepare ourselves as sanctified people to be in the presence of God in such a way that we're able to see him. Spiritually, our eyes are going to be so open. We're going to see him. We're going to be so connected. Some people are going to experience an awakening. Others are going to experience acceleration. And all of us are going to experience being lifted up, to prepare ourselves for that. Like they prepared, he said, prepare them two days, so on the third day, we're going to do something. It's not, it's not all worked out. When God gave Moses the blueprint, it wasn't in a day, he told them who the people were. He said, I want you to get them because they're crafty. and craftiness in their spirit. You get them to b- build a temple. I'm gonna give you the design, but they're gonna build it. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.